Dog fans, it's time to hunker down. I'm here with my guest, Brian L. Jones. How are you, Brian? Doing good, man. How are you? I am doing pretty good. And for people that are so inclined, this is our first guest. This is the way this this show is going to work. Is uh, He is the sports entertainment writer at popculture.com. Uh, he is uh, a good friend of mine, too. We met in the media. Uh, we've covered many things together. But uh, as per the way the show works, I wanted people from different perspectives. And uh, I believe he's going to be a uh, great guest because besides myself, we have seen the dog's opponent from last week before. Mm -hmm. We have. Yeah. Um, the Sanford Bulldogs. Yeah. Yep. We definitely have. Because uh, one thing that we did both do together is uh, we both used to cover uh, Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State regularly plays those guys. I unfortunately can't cover them anymore because I'm just one person. So yeah. it's it's hard to cover multiple things. But uh, what do you know about the Sanford Bulldogs? Do you uh, do you remember much from uh, their KSU? Yeah. So, yeah, I watched their game. Kennesaw State opened. I still cover Kennesaw State in some way, shape, or form. But they played Sanford to open the season. And they have a uh, – Sanford has a, a, a quarterback – who was the number one junior college prospect last year. And he was uh, able to do some things downfield to that Kennesaw State defense, which is normally pretty good. Um, you know, last year, Stanford was four and seven. Um, they were a team that was going through some things. Uh, so they hired a new offensive and defensive coordinator. Chris Hatcher, Hatcher is that coach who has ties with Kirby Smart because they both coached at Valdosta State. And um, he, Chris Hatcher was that coach. And he actually gave Kirby Smart that coaching job while at Valdosta State and they, uh, Valdosta State at that time won a national championship. So a really good coach. And, um, you know, Kennesaw State came into that game number eight in the country, uh, but they just had fits. Uh, that defensive line was really strong, able to stop Kennesaw State's version of the spread off option, which is kind of like a triple option. Um, but in the quarterback, as I mentioned, he wasn't able to miss downfield, able to hit on a lot of big plays. Kennesaw State led in the fourth quarter by three in that game, and Sanford was able to score 10 unanswered points to come away with a big upset win. Uh, they're a team that's normally pretty good. Uh, normally contends for um, at least being playoff the last few years. They, again, they've just been struggling. So um, it looks like this year they can, they're uh, going to try to turn things around. They play in the Southern Conference, very competitive conference. So um, I think they're in for uh, a competitive season. Um, they just had to take on Georgia, which uh, didn't really go that well. No, it, it definitely didn't. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the game, uh, that was UGA 33, Samford Bulldogs uh, zero. They, uh, I really thought they had some, some uh, chances to win there uh, at some point because, I mean, they did put up good numbers, as you said. I mean, they, they did get a few things going, but it's just the wrong time to play this Georgia Bulldogs team. They, they seem to be rolling on uh, pretty much every – every side of the ball you can except one and I'm and I'm gonna let's start there mm -hmm. is that um it took till the third quarter for them to really get the run game going uh do you think that was because maybe the pass passing lanes were just open and so they decided to kind of let Stetson kind of I guess cook for la lack of a better way to say it uh I or do you think it was uh they just had trouble running 
I think it's a little bit of both. As I mentioned, Stanford's defensive line, they like to rotate a lot of players, kind of like what Georgia does. And I think they were able to really slow down that running game. Uh, Kendall Milton was able to get some things going, as you mentioned, in the second half. But I also think, and what's interesting about this Georgia team early on is, you know, you, you even saw in the game against Oregon where, you know, Stetson Bennett's able to hit on some deep throws, able to get uh, a lot of our receivers going uh, and just finding, uh, hitting at least 10 to 11 receivers uh, each game. And I think that has to do with Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator who spent a lot of time in the NFL and fans have asked um, Georgia to open it up instead of doing the traditional run between the tackles. And you're seeing that, but I also think, and while that's great, I do want to see them, uh, you know, run, uh, run consistently because you have three good running backs in Kenny McIntosh, uh, Kendall Mil Milton and Dejon Edwards, who Kirby Smart uh, gave high praises to uh, this week. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, it has a lot to do with the opponent. I think Stanford, Stanford deepest line was able to get after it a little bit, but I think they were able to pick it up as the season goes on. But I also think that passing game, Stetson Bennett just looks more comfortable than he, than he ever has uh, just being in that offensive system for another season, having that experience. So I, I think that's what makes Georgia so dangerous. I also think that's why that's one of the reasons why they're the number one team in the country because of what they can do offensively and defensively. Again, uh, the run game wasn't able to get going until the second half, but I think they'll continue to improve as the season rolls on. Yeah, Stetson Bennett, 24 for 34, 300 yards. He had one touchdown. It's because they rushed a couple more of them in. Uh, I counted it up. According to the ESPN page, uh, 15 different receivers caught a pass for Georgia. So, like you said, they, they really spread it around. Uh, yeah, I, I agree it's a little bit of both of those um, as far as it was a little bit of Sanford playing good defense, and it was a little bit of uh, if the pass is open, take it. So they're letting Stetson kind of do that. Plus, this early on, you're trying to impress – it's not really the BCS anymore, but it's it's right. the same kind of committee. And uh, even though I think I know some of the members on the, on the committee, you just have to impress them early. That is why they're number one now. Um, mm -hmm. It was nice. You know, it kind of – it kind of – help some of the fan base too that uh not only did Carson Beck get in but uh is it Brock Vandergriff I think that's his name Brock Vandergriff yeah. yeah that you know is highly touted we hear all the time Georgia fans uh love to tell everybody uh how many mm -hmm. five-star recruits how many four-star recruits how many great quarterbacks you have and, and the, unfortunately you can only play one at a time it's it's one of the few things in the sport where you can only play one quarterback and uh if Bennett's your starter you don't get to see the other but in getting to see Beck and Vandergriff, they look pretty good. It, at least what little bit they got to play. I mean, maybe it's the offense is just that easy to run, or maybe they are as good as advertised. Yeah, and I think I, it was good to see Carson Beck. I think he just looks like that uh, prototypical uh, pro-style quarterback. Has the height, uh, has the arm. He, he pretty much can do anything. Brock Vandergriff, I remember watching him at Prince Avenue Christian, and he's a guy that uh, can run a little bit, has a pretty strong arm as well. So uh, he has that athleticism, kind of like what you see in Stetson Bennett. So, yeah, again, I think Kirby Smart want to get those guys some playing experience, um, especially with a game like that where it's pretty much in hand. The fourth quarter was shortened to 12 minutes. That's something that both coaches agreed on beforehand. 
um yeah hopefully they can get more experience because next year it's going to be a competition uh system is going to be gone and you have to see who's going to be the next quarterback to help lead this georgia to uh, more chances to win and back me brock vandengrove um it's going to be gunner stockton so um i think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out next year but for this year you whenever there's a game like this where um, you're playing a inferior opponent and where you're up by you know three or four scores in the second half late in the second half you want to get those uh, young quarterbacks they're even just young players in um, as much as you can just to gain that experience because that's very beneficial for them going forward oh yeah absolutely it's it's what any coach says uh, if you're on yeah. the other side of a blowout that you want to try to get some of the other guys some reps some reps because who knows? I mean, unfortunately, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt. But, you know, if you mm -hmm. have a starter go down, you want to be able to look at your bench and go, oh, he's he's already taken 30 snaps this year. He's already taken 100 snaps this year. He's fine. He's going to be good. And, and the depth of this Georgia team, that's what helped them last year. That's what helps them. And that's you can tell what Kirby's building is. He's building an army that just keeps next man up, next man up, next man up. It's not like he has a, a two year window. This could be an eight year window. Yeah, it's kind of like what Nick Saban is doing in Alabama. It's not about um, rebuilding, it's reloading. And I think you're starting to see that where Kirby's smart. It took him a little bit of time, but based on what uh, Georgia has done these first two games and what they done last year, I, I think they've gotten into a group. Kirby's always been good at recruiting. That goes to his days at Alabama. And now you're seeing it and uh, seeing it pay off. Uh, so, yeah, getting those young guys in, getting that experience is only going to benefit them. They started putting in uh, the second and third teamers at the beginning of the second half because he knew the game was in hand. Uh, so I, I think that was great for them to see. And I think you're going to see that again when they play Kent State in the next couple of weeks um, and probably in some more games down the road based on the way uh, Georgia's playing right now. So um, Georgia has put themselves in the position and it helped that it won the national title, but they put themselves in a position within a elite group where no matter who you have, no matter what injury you encounter, you can just plug a person in and they'll just contribute right away. And that's what you want for any team wants that, but there are only a few teams that can actually pull that off. Alabama, Alabama's one, you know, maybe Ohio state's another, I think Georgia's in that group as well. So I think it's going to be fun for fans to watch to see these young players can continue to grow because they're only going to get better. Yeah, I, d I definitely agree with that. And um, as good as the offense is, I think this offense is good because they have to face this defense in practice every time. And yeah. you know, everybody said, oh, man, they're losing 9, 10, 11 people, uh, 9, 10, 11 people, uh, you know, all to the NFL. What are they going to do at that point? And, and uh, pretty much it's just because you didn't know who was the depth behind them or you didn't remember who came in in some of these games last year. Uh, it seems like they just continue to roll. And every week you can count on probably three other defenders you've never heard of to make big plays. Oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, what's funny last year is, you know, they talk about Jordan Davis a lot and rightfully so. Jordan Davis is just a really big guy, very athletic to get uh, get in the backfield really quickly. Um, you know, they're in the Kobe Dean as well. Um, but I, I think what's funny is out of all the guys from last year's defense, Jalen Carter might have been the best 
he just wasn't talked about a lot because with Georgia's defense line, as I mentioned, they could, they just rotate players in and out. So they don't get as many reps as with another uh, defensive star from a division one school. Uh, so I think, and you, and I've seen it with Jalen, Jalen Car- Carter this year with the limited reps he has, he's just been disruptive in the backfield. I saw a little bit at Sanford. I definitely saw it against Oregon and, you know, they just have guys and it goes back to recruiting where they're just extremely talented and they bought into this Kirby smart defensive scheme, which is also um, anchored by Will Muschap, Champ, a former uh, defensive coordinator with a bunch of SEC schools and a head coach as well. So it's, it's really the system and the talent that Georgia has. I didn't think they would be this strong defensively where they're giving up 1.5 points per game throughout two games and haven't given up a, a touchdown uh, through these first two weeks. But I always thought they were going to be a good defensive front. And you're really seeing that. And I think they're only going to get better as the weeks go on. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, that's the scary part is they're just starting out. There is, uh, what, 10 more games to go where they're just going to continue to get better and continue to get better. And uh, it's it really is the scheme. And they're being able to plug in people. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Belichick did for 20 years in New England. He has a system. He finds the people that fit the system the best, and he can mold even the top stars into being bigger stars through his system. And I, I would venture to guess that actually Kirby's system is slightly better than Nick's at the moment, but I think it's because Nick's just been doing it for so much longer. Oh, no question about it. And I think what's going to be interesting about this season is Georgia's going to face some pretty good offenses. I think Tennessee is going to be one. Um, you know, you saw last year where Tennessee uh, hung with Georgia a little bit, um, you know, because of what they were able to do offensively. But once Georgia settled in, figured out what they were doing, they just shut them down. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. Uh, uh, Florida is a team that they could probably do some things offensively. But again, I think because Georgia is so disciplined and they have a lot of speed at linebacker position uh, with the defensive backs or even really much all around, they're just so difficult to just uh, gas or really just attack because they just do things so well because they're well coached. So I think it's just really difficult to see this team because of what they do offensively. Yeah. As we mentioned, they're great because of what they can do defensively. It's just going to be difficult for any team to beat them, at least in the regular season. So I don't know how, how they'll compare with last year's team because last year's team was historic, but they're going to be a really good defense. They're going to be, I think they finish in the top five when it comes to scoring and total defense. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, we talked about two facets of the game. Their special teams is off the chart because any of those receivers, any of those uh, defensive backs, any of those running backs could easily field punts and kicks. Uh, they they kind of spread it around a little bit here and there. I think McConkey did the few punt returns this time, uh, which he by far has A-plus top name on the team, in my opinion. Anytime your name is Lad McConkey, uh, it's, <laughs> it's just uh, fantastic. So we've seen the offense, we've seen the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we know those two facets of the game are as as close to being perfect as can be. They have their flaws. You know, we said we said with the run game, it took them a little bit to get going. That was probably part Sanford. That was that was part them being able to spread the ball around and throw the ball because if you can throw the ball, not much reason to really run the ball unless you just want to run the clock out. But when we go to special teams, 
we got this kid, uh, Pod Lesney. We thought initially that Pod that he was Pod Lesney and he was related to a Jacksonville player. Turns out mm-hmm. he's Pod Lesney and he's uh, just related to his parents. So yeah, uh, but this kid, this kid's been pretty money. It seems like he can hit a lot of the big kicks. I've seen him hit up to forty-five and fifty yarders. I guess he can kick past that. I, he's never been tested, but you know that's a good thing for Kirby to have in his back pocket is to know he's got a big-time kicker. Yeah, Georgia's historically known for having pretty good kickers, and you go back recently with Rodrigo Blankenship, who recently just got cut by the Indianapolis Colts, who spent a two season with him, but. Uh, uh, Lesney, uh, yeah, he's been pretty consistent, and, and I think he's at least number one or number two uh, when it comes to uh, kicker scoring now. I think that's something that they mentioned on the broadcast. I, I I can't remember, but he's four for five right now, only missed like a 50-yarder, which was a little bit short. But, yeah, he's a guy that's been with the program for uh, the last few years, and, and, you know, having a good kicker is very, very, very vital, especially in the SEC and having him um, being and that being that consistency, um, you know, that's going to be beneficial for uh, Georgia going forward. Again, I don't think they'll be in a position where it will come down to like him kicking a game when he field goal or anything like that. But you know, having those guaranteed three points, I, I think that that's going to be good to have, especially in a game like Stanford where you came up a little bit short in the red zone a few times. Uh, you can get those easy three points um, with Pazlesny. So uh, special teams doesn't get talked talked about a lot, but I know um, based on the practices I've seen on college and the pro level, it's something that they work on. Um, at least they start working on that in practice, and they you know they even have separate practices where they focus on special teams because they know how important it is. How they know how um, having good special teams can be beneficial to your offense and defense so uh, again Georgia doesn't get a lot of credit for what they do on special teams but it's up there when it comes to the offense and defense as well oh yeah Kirby knows how important it is and and he's not gonna he's not gonna let that be the the weak point of this team Um, they got three of them listed I'm not real sure I'm, I'm always real big about mentioning the special teamers because they're like offensive linemen usually the only reason you hear their name is if they mess up Mm-hmm. So uh, they've got three different long snappers, uh, and I don't – off the top of my head, I should have looked when I was watching the game. Uh, they've got William Moat, they've got Payne Walker, and Jonathan Washburn. And I guarantee this is the only podcast talking about them because they did really mm-hmm. well. And uh, you know, shout out to those guys. Whichever the three of you were the long snapper, uh, I'm not sure who the holder is. They don't have one listed. It's probably the punter, which is oh, – yeah. is, that, is that Noah Jones or Brett Thorson? I don't think they punted over the over the. Brett Thorson's been a punter for right now. Okay, so shout yeah, out. He's to only those guys. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, you know, offensive linemen and special teamers. Only if you mess up, you get mentioned. Right here on Hunker mm-hmm. Down, we mentioned your name, so you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it just goes back to uh, just being consistent, and you know, Georgia's going to just like how they do on offense and defense. They're going to get guys that know what to do on special teams, you know, the long snappers, you know, they know they have to be consistent because a botch snap can be, it can be very vital. It could change the outcome of a game. So, um, you know, there are going to be guys that are going to be very consistent and, you know, Brett Thornton hasn't punted too many times because Georgia has been so strong offensively. He's only punted four times through two games. Uh, But, 
yeah, he, he's, he's been consistent so far as well. So um, again, special teams doesn't get enough credit and just simply because, you know, fans kind of, kind of just go whatever with it, but um, you know, it's very beneficial, very vital to what Georgia does. So, um, you know, special teams has been really good so far. Well, I, I bring up the fact that uh, the two other college teams we we cover here at Impact Media, uh, Georgia State and Georgia Tech, uh, just two weeks ago, just two games ago, Georgia Tech had two punts blocked that led to scoring mm-hmm. drives for their opponents, and Georgia State had two punts blocked that immediately got returned for a uh, touchdown. So special teams matters. That 14-point swing meant the difference of both those teams winning that week. Yeah, I remember those instances, and I know how how much it impacted uh, both Georgia State and Georgia Tech. And I mean, and that's something that uh, like something can make coaches go crazy because again, this is something that they practice consistently every day because they know how much special teams can change the outcome of a game. There's always going to be six or seven plays that determine uh, the outcome of a game. And you don't want that to be a blocked field goal, a blocked punt, or a botched snap, or a botched return. You don't want that to happen because those are easy points for an opposing team. So you see, and because of what uh, Georgia State and what Georgia Tech did when those special teams mishaps, those were one of the reasons why they lost those games. You know, for Georgia, they've been so dominant because of what they've been doing offensively and defensively, but they also haven't been making mistakes on special teams as well. So, yeah, special teams is always, always, always going to be important. And and I hopefully for Georgia State and Georgia Tech, they can do what Georgia has done in these first two weeks. Yeah, I, I think in, in all four of those instances, not only did the coaches say, that it was a missed assignment, but if you go back and look, it, it was just a mm-hmm. missed assignment. Guy, guy went left instead of right. Guy blocked the, the first rusher and didn't see the second. You know, things like that, but hopefully you clean those up in the first few weeks. But um, anything else to add to Georgia's uh, dominating win over Sanford? Um, I, you know, I think it's just kind of tough to the, um, learn anything from this game just simply because they're playing an FCS opponent, but I, I really do like what they have done defensively in these uh, last two weeks, um, the fact that they've only allowed uh, three points and they haven't allowed a touchdown yet. Um, they're just starting off a little bit stronger than what they were, were defensively last year. So that's been impressive to see. And you hope that continues because the competition is going to get a little bit better, not necessarily going to be on elite level, but it's going to get a little bit better. And it's very encouraging to see this defense start off really strong, especially the number of players they lost. But again, it's all about reloading at Georgia, and so far we've seen that with this defense. Absolutely. And, uh, Dog fans, we're going to take a short break and tell you about our friends at betonline.net, and we will be right back to preview this week's game against South Carolina. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including MLB, 
MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And welcome back to Hunker Down. I'm with Brian L. Jones of PopCulture.com. He is the sports entertainment writer and uh, a dang good one at that. I enjoy his interviews. Uh, he gets to talk to a lot of the fun people that I, that I, I would like to. And uh, so in this instance, I guess I am going to uh, uh, shake the hand that shook the hand at this point. And uh, it's good to have you back on. Yeah, it's great to be on the show. I really enjoy it. But yeah, it's been fun working at Pop Culture these last uh, couple of years. Couple of years, I recently uh, got to talk to Eli Manning for a couple of minutes. So, and just like uh, just a number of just uh, sports figures, entertainment figures as well. Uh, so yeah, it, I've really enjoyed it. It's um, it's been a really great experience. Yeah, you've talked to uh, all kinds of people. And, uh, you know, as I said, you are the first guest here on Hunker Down. And I want people from all walks of life. So yeah. uh, uh, tell everybody kind of uh, where your dog fandom started and just uh, how it's kind of been over the years. Yeah, so I think it started um, when I was in high school. Um, you know, all my friends were going to Georgia and I've been to uh, the campus and I really just enjoyed that experience. And I think I went to my first game in 2004 when they were playing Georgia Tech. Um, and, you know, I just I just really started to get into, um, you know, the players then. And um, I really enjoyed my time there when I first went to Sanford Stadium. And, you know, I continue to go to games. I try to go to Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, that game every year. And then I, I think it was in 2000, I think it was in 2010 or maybe a little bit earlier, I started to cover Georgia for Bleacher Report. So I would write a few articles each week and then uh, do live blogs on the games. So I've been a Georgia fan for over uh, 20, 25 years. And, you know, I try to go, try to go to at least a couple games a year um it's just been hard just because I've been just so busy uh with other work but um I went to a couple last year and um yeah it's just really I just really enjoyed um watching this team grow watching this team you know because in 2002 you know they won the they won the SEC for the first time in 20 years you know that team I really I that Looking back at it, that probably is my favorite team because when you have uh, David Green, David Pollock, uh, Terrence Edwards, who's Georgia's last 1,000-yard receiver, uh, Boss Bailey, who's the younger brother, Champ Bailey, who's the NFL Hall of Famer, uh, Thomas Davis, Greg Blue, all those guys. It was just so fun to watch that team. And then just them continue to grow and, um, you know, have the success they've had. And, you know, just watching guys like Matthew Stafford, uh, Jake Fromm, Noshawn Moreno, um, you know, just a bunch of talented guys that gone on to do some big things in the NFL. And I'm, and, you know, watching this team win the national championship last year, it was such a great experience. I, I really felt uh, happy for Georgia fans who have been fans for 40, 50 years. Those people who were there to see the last championship. Uh, I think it was really good to see those, those fans celebrate because it's just been a long time coming. They've had their close calls, you know, 2002, 2012, 2007, 2017. 
they've come so close, but for whatever reason, they just come up short. And for them to, you know, win the national championship the way they did against an Alabama team who we know has just been so dominant since 2009, it was just a really great experience. So that's a little bit about my Georgia fandom. And um, I'm really looking forward to see what this team does this year and in the next uh, 10 to 20 years. Yeah, and uh, by by the looks of your hat, uh, it, it's been a good twenty. Uh, it's been a good three sixty five for uh, oh Andy. yeah. So, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there that that watching Georgia win and watching the Braves win, it did so much for the surrounding city and community and all the people I grew up with that have been lifelong fans. Like you said, I, I knew some people that were that were uh, they were born just after the last national title, so so mm-hmm. they never experienced one up until last year, and just to see what that does. Uh, even like the Cubs win a couple years ago for the World Series to see mm-hmm. what it does for the community that has just won the championship so so bad that uh, it was fantastic to see that. It was, yeah. I think when it comes to the Braves in Georgia, it was just something that you really didn't expect because just historically, um, both teams have come up short. I remember, yeah, I was in, I grew up in Atlanta, so I was there when the Braves were not at, not at. Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, but I was watching on TV where the Braves won in 1995. And at that time, you just felt a, you were happy, but you felt a sense of relief just because they went to the World Series in 91, came up short, went to the World Series in 92, came up short, lost in the NLCS in 93, then the strike short, shortened season in 94. And then finally in 95, they did it. And it was great, but it was like finally they got their title. And now it's been, you know, 26 or, you know, 26 or over 25 years later uh they were able to they were able to just really and not necessarily come out of nowhere because they went to the nlcs last year but the way that season started where they were just under 500 until early august and to go on that run it was just so unexpected and so that was really fun to see and then just a couple months later you see georgia win their national championship and while they had a great regular season you know, that game against Alabama and SEC championship, I think Georgia fans took a step back. It was like, well, it's probably the same old, same old with this Georgia team, but they're able to make it to the college football playoff, dominate Michigan, and pretty much uh, beat Alabama convincingly. So, you know, Georgia, Atlanta has historically, you know, been known for not, you know, winning national championships. They've been called Loserville, uh, not having been called not having great sports fans but to see this team win two major championships within like a three-month period uh it's just so surreal to see and i'm i'm really happy for the city to get their championships because again they've uh, you've seen a number of teams in atlanta and in the state of georgia just come up short and you were just wondering you know when are they going to win these championships and the fact that they've won two in less than six months it's just been awesome to see. Yeah, it absolutely has. Uh, so Georgia gets South Carolina this week, mm-hmm. and uh, that game is in South Carolina, I believe. Yeah, it is. Um, mm-hmm. The good thing is, is in covering Georgia State, uh, I've already seen South Carolina play this year and uh, got a pretty good look at them. I was one of the few media members who did not go all the way to South Carolina to watch that game, but <laughs> um, uh, I saw it many times here because I did uh, replay it. Uh, just what I know, we know Spencer Rattler transferred over there. Um, he could have stayed at Oklahoma and probably been the starter because uh, Caleb Williams went to USC following, right. following his coach. But Spencer needed a, a change of pace. So he was recruited, 
they were the story I heard was that they were recruiting the tight end, I think, to come up there. And the tight end looks and they're like, you, you know, Spencer kind of wants to move too. And so they started pitching him and Spencer actually followed the tight end up there. So uh, he's a he's a pretty good passer. He, he could still make some better choices uh, here and there. He's coming along. You can see the evolution. I think he did need to get in a different place. I think that uh, being over on the Carolina coast has helped him a lot. But, uh, you know, what are kind of your – what's your take on Spencer Rattler? You know, I remember watching him on the Netflix series QB1 under the lights and just talking about how he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And, you know, seeing him in there, he has – He's very talented. He's very athletic. Uh, I thought he would do some big things at Oklahoma, but um, things didn't work out. And now he's with South Carolina. Um, you know, he, last week he he threw for his 377 yards. Uh, did some good things, but I think um, the offensive line for South Carolina is going to have some issues uh, with this Georgia defensive line. So um, it's just going to be a matter of, can he be protected throughout the entire season? If he can, uh, he's going to put up some big numbers because he has some talented receivers that he's going to be able to work with. So, um, yeah, I, I think as long as you um, give him the right type of protection, uh, making sure he's upright on the majority of the time, he's going to make plays. And I think it's going to be interesting to see him continue to grow and develop um, in the South Carolina system. Uh, because I really like him. I really like what he can do. Um, but I, I just think South Carolina is not where they want to be in terms of competing for the SEC East. So um, he he's probably going to make a couple plays against Georgia's defense on Saturday, but I don't think it will be enough because this will be um, arguably the best de defense special Rattler has faced throughout his college career. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's definitely a matchup to watch because – that's something Georgia State was able to do is uh, make him scurry around. They right. were able to get contact on him a little bit and making him – now, he is mobile. He can move. He can mm -hmm. use his legs a little bit. He's not known for it. But scrambling is one thing. He was he was kind of on eggshells because this uh, the uh, Panthers' defense had him pinned on both sides a lot of times. It made him force throws, and that's what helped keep them in the game. It's only later on when he relaxed he was actually able to capitalize and uh, make some good plays. But, yeah, definitely that offensive line versus the defensive line for Georgia, that's a that's a big matchup to watch. Yeah, I think Kirby Smart talked about, a little bit about, you know, the South Carolina receivers being big and physical. And, and you know, it's going to be something that Georgia has to make sure that I'm pretty much there zeroing in on this defensive line, getting after Spencer Adler, being able to get after him uh, consistently because if he has time to pocket, he's going to find those receivers. Even though Georgia's secondary is really strong, it's just the size difference that Kirby Smart is worried about. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to – Georgia's going to have to, and they I think they will uh, get enough pressure on Spencer Rattler to where he's going to be at times running for his life, kind of like what you saw at Oregon with Bo Nix and forced him to throw – where he threw a couple interceptions. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. I think for Georgia fans, it's going to be a fun matchup to watch because uh, I don't think South Carolina's defensive line can block Georgia's defensive line on a consistent basis. Yeah, I agree. And to flip it over to the other side, uh, 
there's something about South Carolina that people often underestimate, and that is right now they are allowing about twice as many uh, rush yards as they are pass yards. I think it's 247 to 136, according to what I'm looking at. So it's kind of a two-thirds to one-third. Uh, they're giving up almost 400 yards of offense. Uh, this could be that game where we see the run game for UGA kind of start to take off and take ground because the pass lanes may be clogged up, the rush lanes may open up, and we may see them run for 200 yards. Yeah, I think that might be what they have to do in order to open up the passing game. One of the things I've noticed this season so far is Brock Bowers hasn't been too much of a factor uh, in these first two games. I think this is the game where he can have that opportunity, but that can only happen, I think, if you get um, the running game going. I think getting Ken Kenny McIntosh going and Kendall Milton, those two guys, you know, running between the tackles, um, controlling the clock, uh, doing all those things that Georgia is historically known for doing, I think this could be the opportunity um, to where Georgia can get things right in the running game. And if that happens, I think you can get Brock Bowers going because um, he's shown flashes of doing some good things so far this season. But he's just been – just because um, Stetson has gotten everyone involved when it comes to passing game, uh, Brock Bowers has been kind of quiet. But um, I think the focus – uh, for for Georgia's offense on Saturday is getting that run game going because, you know, they want to throw, they want to air it out, they want to do all those things. But running running the football is very important. Um, this is something that goes back to um, when Kirby was uh, defensive coordinator in Alabama, and I think he wants to do the same thing at Georgia. Georgia has always been known for having great running backs. It's no different this year. So I think um, they'll put on the show on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And these special teams are pretty even across the board. There's no reason to really dig much into it. They got a good kicker. UGA has a good kicker. Uh, I do think there's going to be one particular special team play. It could be a kickoff out of bounds. It could be uh, a punt block, something like, or an extra point block. Uh, that's going to that's gonna play into at least part of this game. Now, the spread is 24 and a half. I think that's a little big. Uh, Georgia's not known for running up a score. Uh, right. You know, last week they could have easily scored more than 33 points, and they said there's no reason to do that because they're not going to score 33 points. So, um, you know, for the sake of, uh, of our friends at betonline.net, the sake of anybody that may be uh, throwing down some of their dollars on this, um, I like the under as far as the spread. Uh, I don't know how you are as, as far as betting stuff, but uh, what do you think about 24 and a half? That might be a little big, especially – and I think for a number of reasons, it's a, a road game. It's a, a noon start, which can those games can be kind of tricky because I remember in 2019 when Georgia played South Carolina, that was in Athens and Georgia lost that game in double overtime. So, and I remember before that game, Kirby Smart said, I hope our guys are ready to play because he didn't really think that they were ready for that noon kickoff. So I think it will be a little bit different. I think they will be ready, but I think they'll, I think it will be under in terms of the spread. I think Georgia wins by 20 points and not 24. Yeah, I had 17 to 20. I think that's yeah. around about good number. It's it's that's a good number. Hey, we could be wrong, but that's that's just <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, I'm not particularly betting on this game for one. I don't like big spreads. And uh, right. as I remind people, um, I'm pretty sure it's illegal in the state we live in. So I, I, tend, to, I tend to stay away from from it a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But, but I I like to advise people. And yeah, 24 and a half. We both take the under. Maybe you should, too. 
But uh, like you said, noon kickoff, uh, this is an ESPN game, I believe, which is something. Usually, usually UGA doesn't find themselves on ESPN, barely even in the highlights. So the <laughs> fact that they're the feature 12 o'clock game, uh, the four-letter network starting to uh, realize where the money is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're either um, – I think it was last week they're on the SEC network. And then um, the opener was an ABC game, but that was, uh, you know, a number 11 versus a number three team going at it. But, yeah, I think the fact that they're going to be featured on that noon kickoff, uh, I think that's really good for Georgia to get those early fans, get a look at the number one team in the country. So um, I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Um, I know um, the fans of South Carolina, they're going to be rocking with Georgia coming in. Uh, I know Georgia fans, they always travel well. They're going to be having a lot of fun in South Carolina. So it's going to be a fun game. I, I really, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, uh, Brian, it's been great having you on. It's great to uh, yeah. get, get to see you again. Cause like I said, yeah. we, don't, we don't cross paths as much anymore. Um, right. Tell everybody how they can uh, follow you, find you, read all your articles, see your videos. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I'm the sports entertainment writer for popculture.com. You can find all my work at either popculture.com or popculture.com uh, slash sports. Again, I talked to Eli Manning. That story should be coming out early next week. Uh, and then on the entertainment side, I talked to Jacob Bertrand, who you know as Hawk from Cobra Kai. I watched all the episodes of season five before they released on Netflix. Really loved that show. Probably my favorite show on TV, but that interview should be coming out probably tomorrow or Friday. Also talked to Dallas Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs. He did a commercial with his brother, Stephon Diggs, who's a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. So that should be coming out on Friday also. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming out. Again, popculture.com, popculture.com slash sports. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's at Brian. That's at Brian Jones underscore 93. There you go. Not not just any Brian Jones. He is the Brian Jones. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, like I said, it's good to see you, man. Uh, yeah. We're definitely going to have to cross paths a lot more than we do. And mm. uh, we appreciate you joining us. And go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy.